you're let's say taking a curve so you have to overlap your foot you have to think about how much pressure am i going to put on the next one after that and it's just a lot of little thoughts that add up to actually being more efficient down the line but it's always a conscious effort Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba and I will be your host for today's episode. I started this podcast back in 2020 when I found myself reaching out to folks from various backgrounds, having inspiring and enlightening conversations. I got to chat with people like this. So I am a mechanic. I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. I recently graduated in June. I love um, presenting, being in front of people, advising clients on work. So that was definitely something that was a big motivator. I used to be a competitive hip hop dancer for eight years of my life. I ended up working at Medieval Times for the last three years. I'm a software engineer at Instacart. I've been starting on being a content creator. I am a finance and accountant professional by trade. I have this side hustle of baking cakes and cupcakes and desserts. I think a lot of us have redirected our dreams and our ideas of what we thought we were going to accomplish these like next two years, three years. Everyone has a unique thing about them and we need to share powerful narratives with people, especially during today's climate and world. And there you have it. So if you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, and of course, spicy, Hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Okay, thanks so much for joining me, Julian. Guys, this is my, I think this is my third in-person podcast recording. (laughs) So I have Julian here with me in my studio. Thanks so much for joining me on the Keep Spicy podcast. Um, I'm super excited to get into today's episode. I'm super honored to be here. We have we have an audience here. We did. Do you want to introduce our audience? Sure. We have Seanic, one of my best friends, and then Arti, which is his girlfriend, and my own girlfriend Hanita, my honey toes. Does everybody want to say my hi in the background? Hello. Hi. <laughs> And, yeah. and then we have a little dog here, Harley. So if we if we hear any footsteps in the background, guys, it's 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 little Harley. He's currently cuddled up, so I think we're safe. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm gonna start by asking you to tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself. Like this is my go-to question. Tell me, like, give me the spice to your life. Of course, my name is Julian Rosas. I'm 23 years old. I've been living in Toronto since 2007, but I'm originally from Bogota, Colombia. So I was born and raised there. I came here when I was about nine years old. I went to school in an all-man's Catholic high school, and then I went to UFT, University of Toronto here at St. George campus for materials engineering with my friend Sean. So, yeah. Oh, I did not know that you went to an all-boys Catholic school. Yeah, it was certainly an experience. I mean, there was an all-girls school right next to it, but... Uh, the dynamic was certainly different. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting because my next question is, like, what is something about yourself that people might be surprised to learn? But I know that, like, given the topic of today's conversation, maybe, like, yeah, give, break, let's break the ice some more. What is something else people well, might be, else. yeah, surprised to learn about you? Um, I think if you're a stranger to me, you might not know that I love to sing all the time uh, or that I like super, like, not grimy because grimy is, like, UK grime, gritty, like, super gritty rap, like, old 90s, like, super rapidy rap. What does that I mean? Like that Eminem, stuff. like old school no, Eminem? 
Well, I, I did used to love Eminem, which is like now a guilty pleasure of mine, but not so proud of it anymore. But like Griselda or like Nas, or oh. yeah, Most Def, every one of those guys. And oh, just okay. Slaughterhouse. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. I know none of those people oh, no. mentioned. <laughs> so yes, it's very, very greedy, old school AF. I invited you on today's podcast because I wanted to specifically talk about your background as a semi-pro skater and of course about like some other things related to that and like how it influenced the person you are today, your identity and all of that. So let's start from like the basics. Like tell me about your childhood. Let's explore that. Yeah, of course. I guess we'd have to say it all started with my mom and dad giving my brother and I, my brother he's five years older than me, the option to pursue like one of the following sports that they gave us. So I think for my brother, we were both doing swimming at the time and this was when I was like five and he was of course being five years older, he was like 10. Uh, they gave us the option of doing like tennis, they gave us the option of doing, uh, I think it was soccer, and they gave us the option of doing rollerblading. My brother chose tennis, not sure why. I still have yet to ask him why, which is a conversation in itself, but... Next uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. And I chose rollerblading myself. It's actually a very big thing in Colombia, like inline skating as in racing. It's like a big sport. It's like almost like an Olympic sport over there, as like cycling would be here. I didn't even know that though, because I was five years old. But uh, yeah, it started off like that, and my life has always had like very active training within it. So ever since then, I started training, let's say, with the kids my age. But um, they saw that I could go further, so they put me into the kids, like let's say three, four years older. And eventually when I was like six, like a year into the thing, I was already training with like the adolescents and all the all the big guys technically in the club. So this was a semi-pro club. And I know you've asked me this before, but I, I guess I refer to it as semi-pro because I don't know if professional would be the wording. I wasn't paid for it, but there were tournaments going on uh, and not just within the city, it was in the region and in the country. So I'd be traveling to do these competitions and actually winning medals and stuff like that. So my life had always uh, revolved around that per se. The training was like at least three hours every day. And even in the weekends, I had to get up to be there at 7 a.m. And then it would end at like 1 p.m. or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay, wait, so let's backtrack. You were a semi-pro skater. You're not a pro skater because you didn't get paid? Is that what, is so that what I, I guess feel that's like that's technically what I gather? I would define it. Like I would define a pro, either someone who gets paid or maybe someone who goes to the Olympics for that kind of thing. but. Uh, I guess semi-pro is as close as it gets and just in terms of doing tournaments outside the region like I think of it like regionals or like cities however you think like cross-country would be here I don't yeah know. like that's, a district. that's like the uh, yeah that's the analogy I have okay. or the parallel I have. is this different from speed skating like the Olympic sport well speed skating would be in on ice I would assume but no it's exactly the same thing inline skates like okay on rollerblades roller okay exactly. okay cool and like can I ask why your parents were so interested in having you guys do a sport was there a reason yeah there definitely was well they definitely wanted to keep us busy enough because my mom was working a lot my dad is an architect and he was working a lot as well but my mom was working a couple jobs and uh, she's a she's a preschool teacher or she was then and she was just very busy the job was very far it was a way to keep us busy as well as to keep us disciplined because they were always about discipline and, and things like that just to raise us in a good way i guess and it was a good way to just have us away in a proper environment where we could 
gather some life skills, perhaps. I've, I've talked about it with my mom after the fact. I guess that's how it came about, yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly how those certain sports came about, but I guess rollerblading would have been prevalent around that time in that era. Yeah. Okay. I'm just asking because, like, I feel like, you know, parents usually do want their children to, like, go into certain sports, like, for ex- or, like, certain hobbies. That's right. Like, for example, yeah. like, mine forced me to play the piano. But then I hated it because when you're forced to do something, you don't find it as meaningful anymore. You find it more of, like, a chore. So, like, did you ever feel that? Well, because it doesn't sound like you did since you were winning and, and you know. <laughs> I did definitely feel that. It started catching up to me. At first, I was very, very active in it. I don't think I had too many friends within it, but it was just, like, the act of having that place to go. I don't think I had many friends in the first place uh, to begin with, like, over there. Uh, I guess another thing to add was, like, I was going to school, but I'd be uh, at least a couple of years ahead. Same with my brother. He, he finished high school at, like, 14 years old over there, so... Uh, the age wait, 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 you finished school ahead because you were super smart? Over there, it's not by age that you're graded or that you're placed in your current grade. It's more so by, like, aptitude. Like, my brother, he was able to finish high school. High school ends in grade 11 over there instead of grade 12. But yeah. either way, it's like he ended it at 14 where other people would be, like, freshmen. And then I guess I was on the same boat, but we came here. Uh, Fresh off the boat, 2007. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, and you went to the States, though, didn't you, before you came here? No, I came straight oh, to Toronto. My dad actually was the one who came to the States. He went to Florida, and then he came back to Colombia in, like, 2003, four. Then he went back to the States, to California, and then he came to Buffalo, and then to Toronto. And then we came to join him in Toronto. Okay, so can you lay out for me and our guests the exact timeline? So from what age to what age were you skating? What age did you stop? What age did you move? Like, can you give us an actual just timeline? Yeah, of course. So I, I must have started skating in the club at like five years old and mm-hmm. a little bit older. And that was when I started in like this little tiny like pre-league like just the little kids league and then oh little five year old yeah exactly but it quickly quickly like six months after a year after my mom would say it evolved into actually going to the club where all the adolescents and all the adults were were training so that was at six years old and then i guess the prime time where most of the tournaments were happening were about like seven seven to eight to nine i had a short hiatus at like eight to nine before we came or like eight and a half to nine before we came to Canada because I had a bunch of conditions in my stomach that we still don't know what happened, but okay. I was getting sick around that time, so I wasn't able to skate as much, and then we were preoccupied with trying to get to move okay. over here to Canada, so that's like, yeah, I would say around eight and a half, and okay. then at nine years old, I came to Canada. Can I ask why you wanted your family was interested in leaving Colombian uh, like immigrating yeah, to Canada? For sure, yeah. Well, I guess in the broadest sense, it was just having a better possibility or like a better future here. We came here as refugees and my dad, he was having issues with some people because being an architect, he was like helping out in the church underdeveloped neighborhoods to construct some kind of uh, community centers and such or little shacks at least. He was being threatened over there. So he went to the priest and the priest had told him, yeah, just file as a refugee and try to flee the country or something like that. And so he did initially that being the states but then eventually it came to be in canada my parents saw a better future here and you didn't pick skating back up when you came to canada i did i really did it was 
I guess through my own volition as well as my mom's because we really wanted to keep it going. Having the gear and everything was expensive in the first place. The thing that discouraged us was that there was really nothing here to be had. So we went to this league. It was really far off. We lived in like North York, so that's like the east side kind of. And then all the way in the west, like past Kipling or whatever, it was where this club was. And being in the bus, it was like a two and a half hour ride every day. And getting there, it was like all these 30 year old adults trying to like inline skate, but they weren't very proficient at it. So they were already getting me like this kid who had no English trying to help them like figure out how to skate in a better rotation or whatever so I was basically helping them and stuff and it was kind of discouraging even the training field like wasn't up to par kind of thing so I kind of left the sport it kind of decayed when we came here and then there's also the issue of having seasons and things being expensive not being prevalent in the in the winter except for like hockey maybe you didn't think of switching to ice skating I did but it wasn't very lucrative as like speed skating not that we found I maybe now looking back it could have been a a thing but i guess just different things in life happened and my parents and i were just preoccupied with other stuff so what was your like proudest moment that you experienced while partaking in the sport Ooh. all right and like i guess let me ask a more, a more leading specific question about that like can you describe the emotions you feel when you find that sense of pride in skating or like being good at the sport Sure, of course. Well, I think me, myself, just keeping up with the older people at the club was a very big achievement in itself because there were a bunch of people validating me out, out of nowhere. I wouldn't know what to think back then. It was just like skate, right? And then it gave me kind of like more things to think about outside, like a bigger picture kind of thing. Just like doing something that someone has been practicing and they've gotten older and you at this age have been able to like reach their status or above it kind of humbled me as well as exalted me at the same time yeah and then of course there was like tournaments that i won and we got medals for and then as a team we did really well uh, because there'd be like relays and stuff so you'd be having teammates or there'd be like just races and yeah just winning those uh, outside my city was like giving me hope for maybe being a prospect in in the future <laughs> for like the sport like keep it going you're doing something good you're doing something that you're good at it give me a kind of a purpose even though as a kid you don't really think about those things like I'm thinking about these days and I see kids like that were the age that I am and I don't know whether they'd be thinking about those things at all yeah wait so, when you say outside your city you mean like outside bogota or like outside you mean bogota, in canada exactly no that would have been all in colombia right oh, so okay. in other major cities like cali there was a couple of tournaments uh that's where i started getting sick actually when i went to cali uh but there was also in villavicencio it's like smaller cities but they were having big tournaments it kind of always happened that way where they, they would go to small cities where people could meet from from everywhere and onto one place yeah Okay, what was what has been your like major like highlight or like achievement with skating? Like, tell me about some of these medals that you've won. Sure, yeah, there was like my first big tournament. <laughs> I remember I was like six years old. It must have been. And then we went to Mariquita, which is in in Tolima. It's a very hot region. It's super scalding hot. It's a uh, in the valleys and stuff. And I remember getting a silver medal on my first on my first ever race because I stopped early. 
And so everyone was cheering me so on. So you could have gotten a goal. I could have easily gotten the goal. Oh. And I stopped because I thought the finish line was where everyone oh, was cheering. No. Oh. And so I stopped there. And then they're like, no, no, you have to keep going. It's over there at the oh, end. Oh, no. And so the next day we came back and we whooped ass and, and we got the goal. Oh, but nice. The first tournament ever is kind of a redemption story in itself. Just just by me being dumb. As yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, my God. You still got away with the silver. Even yeah. though you, like, stopped. Oh, that's awesome. We're hearing all the, like, lovely stuff. What's, like, the most challenging part of the sport? Is it the, like, routine, you'd say? Like, having to practice? Or what would be more challenging? Is it, like, the mental stuff? It's very, yeah, it's very mentally challenging because it's so repetitive at a point that you have to think about it in order to get better at it. You can't just skate and then just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be more proficient at it if I just, like, keep doing it. You have to, within, always while you're doing it, you have to think of things of what you're wanting to improve at all times. Our warm-ups would take super long just to start skating. It would take around like 40 minutes because we'd be doing stretching and all these kinds of warm-ups just to be ready. And then that kind of gives you the thought of like, okay, such a heavy warm-up has to warrant something important. So when we got into it, you just have to think about every time you're let's say taking a curve so you have to overlap your foot you have to think about how much pressure am i going to put on the next one after that and it's just a lot of little thoughts that add up to actually being more efficient down the line but it's always a conscious effort okay i see is there something about the sport that you'd like to debunk uh i mean i don't know if enough people know enough about it in the first place but maybe i don't know i didn't admittedly <laughs> but i don't know it's really close to running but at the same time it's close to biking so it's like oh. the perfect hybrid between those i guess i would say instead of the bunk i would like to confirm that all skaters just have nice legs oh. <laughs> humble very humble humble brag right there delving into like what you do these days like do you play any sports these days and like how do you get your exercise in because like that's again you built this discipline as a child so i'm assuming that is something that you still carry with yourself now right yeah, too. it was actually kind of scary. Well, not scary. It's just kind of a weird thought to have because I don't really do any sports now, but I can, like, throw back to, like, that discipline and be able to retain, like, a, a level of fitness just by knowing the mental capacity I have for fitness in the first place. So I don't really partake in any sports. I do light workouts at home, if anything. And then recently we've been doing the F45 stuff, but that was for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. It's been nice to just see the ability of, or like the endurance I would have taking these these kind of workouts. But no, surprisingly, no, I, I didn't keep up with any sports. I guess other things uh, took my time. And do you feel like sports is like an important part of a child's education? Like, 100%. what did it teach you? One million percent. I think every kid should have a sport to go into and like whack at it at least for a couple hours it, it gives something to for parents to just like let the kid do their thing and waste not waste their energy in but like put their energy into right it lets them develop like pretty much life skills earlier definitely discipline definitely knowing that a reward is sometimes not what's worth it but the path through it right so like just gaining consistency in in life just like not getting instant gratification those kind of things patience i would say is also a huge thing because things aren't going to go your way in a sport and you can't just be a sore loser in a, in a sport when it's like held up to a very high degree i'm not saying that every kid has to be in a super competitive environment but 
definitely something that will teach them some kind of discipline and then be able to use their energy. Ooh, and speaking of good sport, do you feel like being an athlete makes you a better person? And the reason I'm asking this is you would think that like sure. sports people are like good sports, you know, that they have sportsmanship, but I feel like that's not always the case. So do you feel like being an athlete makes, makes you a good person? If so, how? And if not, why not? I would think it's definitely exclusive. It definitely gives the possibility to be conscious of your own thoughts and what kind of person you are and how to develop change. I'm always a person that thinks about change and I very much admire people who are able to reflect upon themselves and be able to want change or warrant change after seeing something they don't like in themselves. Uh, but sports or people who undertake sports, like athletes, I don't I don't think it's a one-to-one -one at all. It's, it's definitely separate, but it gives that it gives a realm on which you can like see yourself on a canvas. It's like, what do I want to change about myself? Clearly in the sport, like I'm good. That could either give you ego or it could give you like, hey, I can become even better. Or that can give you like, maybe there's something in me that makes me good at certain things so I can develop in other things with the same kind of skills that it requires. Ah, you know? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going too much into it, but uh, and I also didn't I asked expect, for a reason. <laughs> of course, yeah, and I also didn't expect to be asked things about being an athlete because, like, for the last decade and a half, I haven't been an athlete at all. People probably think of me as this, as like this nerdy dude. No, so oh my god, it's kind of strange. You lived the life of an athlete. You've already. Been <laughs> I peaked early. I know. I peaked early. <laughs> And like, were you under a lot of pressure now? As, as a five-year-old, five to seven-year-old kid who's doing this competitive sport, were you under a lot of pressure? I would say my mom definitely put a lot of pressure on me. Like she's always had a high expectations of me in, in anything and everything. Uh, my dad, much less so, like he's just like, okay, you're doing this stuff great. Like you've never, you never really have to worry about everything cause, or anything because you've always just done well in anything that you put yourself into. But my mom, was always like, ah, oh, you could have done better in that. Or like when I started getting sick when I was like eight and we went to Cali after that, um, I remember distinctly I was like holding my hand to my stomach in one of the races and I got fourth place. Uh, no, I got like way past fourth place. It was like a really bad race. Um, and she was really disappointed in me. And I'm like, mom, Aww. I'm sick. Yeah. And she's like, you're feigning it. Like it's not Aww. real and stuff. And like, as much as it was real, like I kind of felt like within myself, like I, I could have, I guess, tried harder if I let it not get to me as much. Yeah. I make her sound like she's being really tough on me and, and she wasn't, but she definitely instilled me with a lot of self-discipline and maybe I developed that into an unhealthy level sometimes where I am, I might be really hard on myself for things that don't even matter that much, but it definitely manifested itself in skating as well. Okay, so you weren't, I'm surprised that you weren't under a lot of pressure from coaches. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention that part, yeah, these... There were a pair of coaches, they were brothers, right? And one of the, the older one was Gabriel, this super tiny dude. He must have been like a, I say a little more than my height, but I was five or like nine years old. So I was really oh, tiny oh, oh. and he was really I was gonna tiny. be like a tiny dude, a little bit more than your height right now. I was like, that's not very <laughs> no, tiny. No, okay, yeah, I definitely than, grew up than, than, than kiddo Julian. Yeah, I was okay. always short until like uh, late in high school, so. But anyways, yeah, that, that coach was a was a very disciplined coach. And there was his brother who was like the younger kind of like Guido guy. 
What does Guido mean? Guido is like the gym tan laundry, like Jersey oh. Shore guy. Oh, okay. So definitely like a lot of vanity, vanity with him. But he had a lot of discipline too. So he, he, he was able to like have the team get active and stuff. So there was a lot of pressure from those two brothers into succeeding. And I think it was like their own club. So they had to get the funds. They had to look good stuff. also. You have they to make them to, look good. Exactly. There were a lot of different comp like competitions between the clubs and then like whenever you went to the to the different cities you would find the same clubs from your region. And oh, it's like, okay. oh, these are like my nemesis. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there was definitely a lot of that. Uh I as a kid didn't really see much of that, but like thinking back upon it there was probably a lot of like little politic things. There was a lot of pressure in that and then also monetarily like the fact that we spent the money to get like all the attire, let's say all the safety gear, like your little pads and stuff and the skates which were expensive right that definitely added pressure to like you can't slack off when you put in a lot of money into it yeah no and for sure it's not like we came out of a place with money to begin with so yeah yeah oh so what like mental tools do you did you use when you were under pressure to like what was your coping mechanisms and how has that like are they still the same now huh that's a really good question I never really thought about the failure. I just thought about keeping my ass in check, surpassing whatever expectations I had of myself. So I guess, yeah, being tough on myself is like a two-faced thing where it could be good, it could be bad, depending on the situation. Like obviously it's a booster to keep yourself in check, but at the same time it's like, you're kind of neglecting the fact that sometimes not everything is in your, in your will and in your hands. Let's say also when I was sick, right? I wasn't performing up to par and I was getting a lot of flack from my from my coach and my mom. And then there were a couple more tournaments where I was still sick. I knew I had to like really perform. So it's not like I just kind of went with it. Like before I, I could feel like I could just get away with not doing the 100%. But then when I was getting a lot of flack after that, I was like very conscious that, hey, I, I need to put in all I've got, keep with it. I guess because it was a very long time ago, it's kind of hard to think of something specific to say about it. It's definitely a mental exercise right now, just to think back of like, what are these building blocks to my life, you know? Or like, how do you, how do you, I guess like, let me rephrase, how do you cope with stress now? How do I cope with I'm just like trying now? to gauge like, to see if like, the way you coped with stress back in the day is, has influenced the way you cope with pressure or anything like that now. What do you do now? I was definitely a lot more naive then. Like I thought my capabilities were all in my hands and now I'm very cognizant of the fact that like basically nothing is in my hands and whatever it is, it's not mine. Like I'm, I, I guess I'm religious so I, I would tend to religious thoughts and thoughts about faith. So I would, I would have faith in, in things to be okay. Uh, I'm not really one to go to people to cope so uh, within myself, I guess, I find peace knowing that I can be content uh, being the way I am. It has to, like, I have to dig through a lot to get to that because pride gets in the way. It's like, why can't you just be better? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah, why yeah. can't you just, like, do it better? But sometimes it's like, you got to remind yourself, like, it's it's not up to you sometimes. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more again, like, about how this has influenced who you are now. So did you feel like that was your identity back in the day? Like, you're, I'm, I'm Julian, I'm this, like, semi-pro skater, this is who I am. You go to your new school club, and, like, people are like, hey, who are you, what's your thing? You're like, this is who I am. Do you feel like this was your identity? And if so, like, 
how did you cope with that identity crisis when you moved to Canada and it stopped being something that you did where it's now now you can't really claim ownership I mean you can but like yeah. you know you're less likely to because you're like well I'm not involved anymore right I mean yeah story of my life like that was just in the default of time in, in, in the amount of time that we spent in that sport it was kind of like the only thing going except for academics right and it's not like I was going to a bunch of social events and we're talking about it as, a, as if I was an adult, but I was a kid back then, so it's like, well, I was sleeping at like, what, 10 at most? So there wasn't really much time for that, but yeah, I was definitely known as the, as the kid who would skate around, or just the kid who, who was like, always around kids who were older, because he was like a couple grades ahead at least. I was always a cheeky, like in Colombia they would call me cheeky, or they call my brother and I cheeky, or Stitch. Like Lilo and Stitch, just being oh, that tiny little thing yeah. who would know a lot about computers or whatever. <laughs> it was one of the first questions that you asked, and I never really touched upon it. Like, I kind of fell out of love with it, even in Colombia, because it, it just seemed so repetitive to me, right? And I would tell my mom, like, why are we going so early in the morning uh, just to train and do the same thing? And then I remember her being like, I don't know, but I'll meet you there at, at the freaking training because we're late. And I'm like, why? After the fact, I'll be thinking, like, why is my mom, like, why is that the way for me to get there? Why does it matter if she's there or not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, it was still my identity, right? I, I didn't really know much else besides, like, being really close with my brother. I didn't really have many friends to just, like, kick it back with and just do whatever. Upon coming to Canada, I guess I was more preoccupied with the way my brother felt about coming to Canada. He was obviously an adolescent during that time while I was just, like, nine years old. He'd be 14 and stuff, so, like, he had his first first girlfriend that he had to break up with and he, he had a lot more turmoil going on because like he finished high school he, he was trying to decide what to do with his life at that age can you imagine yeah 14 right? that's really weird to think about so I was very much more optimistic about coming to Canada it's like hey maybe I'll make some friends and I'll see some snow that's about like says <laughs> <laughs> every single person coming to Canada right <laughs> yeah I'll eat poutine and then see snow <laughs> So that's about the extent I thought about it. But then coming here and being placed in a school, like I was in, in a public school at first, but then some an elderly couple from St. Vincent de Paul, which is like a charitable organization that would help immigrants and such, uh, they were like, why don't you go to this Catholic school? Because we know you guys are Catholic. And so we did. There, there were a lot of Colombian people as well. In that setting, I wasn't known as the kid who skated at all because that didn't really matter anymore. Uh, I was just known as the new kind of like fob kid. It was definitely something I had to think about going into a place where there were kids my own age for once because I was never around kids my own age before. I was, I guess, more preoccupied with that and like how to get them to be my friend or how, how they thought about me as just being this kid who doesn't know English. And I guess it, it kind of fell out of relevance very quickly, but at the core, it's like very, very fundamental building blocks in my life. Mm -hmm. And you did mention like earlier when we first like met that you found a bit more of a calling. That's like why you picked up the guitar. Yeah. As like a way to find something else that like speaks to you, something like another hobby, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. In like layman terms. Yeah, I remember my brother. He was very big into into rock music and the guitar. And oh, his brother sounded like a heavy influencer. A huge influence. My <laughs> brother is yeah, my brother is my closest person probably, and uh, 
I picked up a lot from him. They would call me like version 2.0 of my brother. Oh. But like exceeding him. And I was like, bro, oh. don't say that. <laughs> brother is the OG. So. Uh, yeah, guitar was definitely the discipline that I picked up after that. Um, even then, I wasn't really like as into it as I would a professional sport, right? I was kind of lacking in that. But uh, it's always been a love for music. So it was like a way to get this mind state and put it into a sort of discipline that fell into another thing that I love, mm -hmm. which was music. Okay. And I still do now. Yeah. Okay. What values do you think are critical to communicating to younger kids now about following pursuing a passion or like or like yeah being forced to do something that you wish were communicated to you the kid know. was in your place what do you think is important advice to give that kid kid who's clearly excelling in their sport excelling in school or like they're not part of like the norm so to speak like they're clearly like above average and they're now put in a situation where like they're with people who are older than them bigger than them and you know like i feel like a normal kid would feel a little bit out of place right yeah. Um, what, so what, what would you tell a kid that was in that situation that you uh, wish was said to you? I think I would tell that kid to kind of keep his innocence going in the way that like as a kid you would think about it so simply. It's like I'm just going to do this thing. I'm having fun or I'm not. Like you're not thinking about like oh what do, what do people really think about me? Mm -hmm. Or like that, that only comes when there's kids your age who are making fun of you. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's another conversation in itself, but yeah, keep keep it simple and don't lose any values. Retain the values, because I think as a kid, I was very wise. I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of the of the childhood innocence and in that things are simple. And I feel like if a lot of adults kind of took it that that simply, they wouldn't look at all these issues and then start gaining resentment toward things or like not wanting to do things because of social responsibilities or the lack thereof like what i would look forward to after like let's say a day of training or whatever is being able to go home and play video games with my brother like that's all i was looking forward to it didn't matter that i, I guess obviously i wanted to meet the expectations that people had of me but i didn't think of it in a way that i was insecure about myself and i think that comes later in life where a lot of insecurity is just hampered onto a person uh, I don't know for what reason, but it, it starts developing. And as a kid that age, I would say, like, just try to keep that going. I don't know if it's good to say that consciously, because then maybe they start thinking of it early. But if they can instill it as long as they can in life, I think a person could go so far when they think that. Okay, it sounds like the value is to, yeah, be present. Like, hey, kid. If you're doing this right now, do it right now. And if you're going to play video games after practice, <laughs> go play your video games. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like if you just have this, of course it's great to dream big and stuff, but it's, if you start having it as too much of an expectation, then the any little f inkling of failure of it is just going to mm -hmm. hit you harder than any success that you find. So... Mic yeah. drop. <laughs> um, and since you had a very like profound childhood, if you were given a chance to play a favorite memory of, of yours for the rest of your life, what what would it be? Whenever it would rain, right? You couldn't really roller skate if it was like pouring rain, and the rain in Bogota would like the biggest droplets you could see, like like a huge marble, and so it would start raining all across the field or whatever. And my tennis, uh, the tennis courts would be right there where my brother practices. So upon raining, they kind of call it off until uh, 
says campa or like um what's it called it clears out okay but i think that there was one night where there was just such a heavy thunderstorm that we were told to go home and so usually my brother and i would uh would bus home or walk home it was a far walk but we would usually do it or my mom would pick us up actually and walk with us or or, or bus bus it out with us we never really had a car uh, so we left early and I remember we bought these little Mickey Mouse the marshmallow uh, things dipped in chocolate yeah just from like the the corner store the general store and we were walking home we're like we're gonna get cozy and drink a coffee because of course Colombian kids would be drinking oh coffee really at like, yeah at like five years old or whatever they grow up on that thing like it's water um, and then yeah it was just getting home after a a huge heavy rain and just getting cozy together and like playing video games together I would I would love to live that it's so <laughs> simple it's like one of the best memories it's so subtle it's like nothing big about it that's a very sweet memory my last question before moving to the lightning round is Oof, what advice okay. would you give to other people who are going through an existential crisis for whatever reason and they want to find a way to change perspective I would start trying to define what what the crisis is in the first place like why is it that you're feeling not yourself anymore or that you feel like you need to change or like your your current self is just not valid in whatever society that you're around right because sometimes it can be a starts off with one thing and then any other little thing just keeps on like a domino effect. yeah it's very much a domino effect where it's like you f you feel like any side effect that comes by is because you're you're this person that's not good around the environment you're in. So definitely being conscious of what it is that you're doing, if it's right or wrong, maybe maybe you don't know that yet, but definitely keep it on the conscious level and don't let it don't let it get to you out of nowhere. Just try to be content with the person that you have been and welcome change positively. That's solid. Now we're going to we're going to go on to a more lighter, quicker. We're going to go to the lightning round. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. I, think I actually so. kind of switched because you, I know that you listen to my podcast. Oh no! I switched. I was so so, no, ready. some of them like you're gonna like these are some of the more frequent questions, but I like kind of switched it up a little bit. As long so. as you throw me off, <laughs> I want to be on my toes. Are you ready? It's time for the lightning round. Okay, are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm the nightest owl. Yeah. Favorite sport, you can't say skating. Oof. Favorite sport, uh, lunging. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Favorite sports team? The Phoenix Suns. Wait, what, right. what are the Phoenix Suns? Is that basketball like Oh, basketball? Okay. Yeah. What season would you be? I would definitely be like light fall, like early fall, late spring. Oof. Kind of like near summer, basically. Like, like before summer? Yeah, like Bogota weather. It's always like 21 uh, degrees over there. And it's Perfect. Okay, got yeah. it. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I would live in Spain. Would you rather lose all of your money or all of your pictures? Mm, I would rather lose all of my money. You'd rather lose all of your money? I don't really care about that, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what are you the most excited about for the second half of 2021? Oof. I'm excited for things to pick up. I'm excited to have things be in person as much as I am a super awkward introvert. Uh, I feel like I've missed out on a lot of stuff. So yeah, definitely in-person events. 
Best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, definitely it would be pray to grow in love and wisdom every day. And worst piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, definitely like just stick to what you're good at and like it was like kind of like dismissive and like you shouldn't go for things you shouldn't broaden your horizons okay okay yeah, yeah. okay just Super stay with awful. what you know only yeah that's of. the worst advice i could ever think of okay got it would you rather be an olympic gold medalist or an astronaut 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 wow yeah would you rather be a superhero or the world's best chef a superhero i feel like yeah i don't need to make the food i can just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go save go save the the world and get free meals yeah. instead. Okay, so my next set of questions are like answer on a scale of 1 to 5, 1 being Ooh. like low and 5 being like amazing the best of or like course. or like 5 being like optimum like exceeding and then 1 being like uh, how important on a scale of 1 to 5, how important it is to have a hobby to do every single day? Every single day? Mm-hmm. Every single day. Oof, I would say Every single day takes it down to like a four or a, a three point eight. Yeah. Okay. How important is it for you, for you, or like for for whoever has this hobby? Actually, no. How important is it for you to excel at whatever hobby you have every single day? Like the mm. hobby that you're doing every single day. How important is it to excel at it every single day? Me, myself, I mm-hmm. would say its importance is not at all. I would say it's a one. A one. Okay. Like it shouldn't be important as long as you're doing it and you enjoy it okay and how good are you at picking up a new sport one to five Oof. it really depends on the sport because like my my what's it called my foot to what's it called my coordination let's say okay. kicking a ball awful Real, but awful. you're like a soccer player though aren't you no not at all i'm the worst soccer player oh i'm latino but i'm the I'm, worst yeah. soccer player in this world so oh okay in terms of picking up a sport yeah i'm not very good at it uh at different sports i would say maybe a, a 2.5 because oh I, I know i have the endurance to keep running about when everyone's like tapped out yeah but if it, if it has to do more than that then maybe i'm not the best yeah. oh okay got it a for effort maybe d for skill yeah exactly <laughs> okay how good of a teacher would you say you are i love to teach it's one of my passions i would say but i don't know if i'm good at it because Sometimes I feel like I have too many abstract thoughts that I can't put into concise words. So uh, I would say like a three. A three? Okay. And how good of a student would you say you are? Honestly, I feel like I'm a pretty good student because I listen to things. So maybe like a 4.5. Okay. And yeah, final question. If you could describe yourself as a flavor, what would it be? This is like open to your interpretation of flavor. Describe myself as a flavor. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to be something like refreshing, but at the same time, I like things that are like spicy and I love watermelon. So I'm going to say like a watermelon, which is refreshing with like a little bit of hot sauce. Oh, <laughs> nice. I like that. Okay. Good yeah. for this Bogota weather as well. <laughs> sure. Good for this podcast. To keep it spicy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was a lot of fun, and, you know, we wanted to send everybody off with a quote. Julian, and a special guest, I would love for you to do the honors of reading out the quote of the day. Of course, I have it right here. It's, be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there's nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. It's a lousy.
Yay! Oh, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you had a fun time. And if our listeners are are like my audience, basically wants to know a little bit more about you, is there a way that they can like reach out to you or follow you? Or yeah, I mean, I'm not really active on social media, but I guess you can hop on my LinkedIn and be my contact. Uh, that'd be Julian Rosas. Yeah, just find me on LinkedIn. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much again for hopping on my episode. I had so much fun and good luck. It was a huge honor. Thank you for thinking I'm interesting to talk to. Ah, of course! That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. I drop bi-weekly episodes, so join me next time for another stimulating and inspiring conversation. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at keepitspicypodcast and on Twitter at keepitspicypod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, keep it spicy, yours truly, XX.